So it's just like doing a field test for cocaine. So we get into the room, and there are three other uh, armed guards really? in the room. You're in a foreign country on a foreign continent that you had never been before. Y'all, you deserve professional hair color that makes you look your gorgeous best delivered right to your door. You can take your hair coloring at home to the next level with Madison Reed, and it starts at just $22. Women have had two options for coloring their hair for decades. That at-home color you got out of a box that's outdated or going to the time and expense of a traditional salon. Many clients of Madison Reed comment on how their new hair color has improved their lives. Women love their gorgeous, shiny, multidimensional, healthy-looking hair. This is game-changing color you can do at home. And you'll look like you just came out of the salon. Madison Reed color is unique because it's crafted by master colorists who blend nuances of light, dark, cool, and warm tones. And they create over 55 gorgeous, multidimensional shades. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com. Best case, worst case listeners get 10% off plus free shipping on their first color kit with code best case. That's code best case. Hello and welcome to Best Case, Worst Case. This is Jim Clemente, retired FBI profiler, former New York City prosecutor and writer producer of CBS's Criminal Minds. And with me today in the studio is... Hi everybody, it's Francie Hakes, former state and federal prosecutor. Jim, this is so exciting. There's been a couple of episodes that I've been forced to do without you. Oh, uh, well... And here we are know. together again. Yeah, well, I know that was probably the bane of your existence. Oh, so difficult. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> but Francie, aren't you excited about today's guest? I am. It is so unique. So unusual to have a guest like this. In fact, I have to say, it's a first. So with us today in the studio is... Z Boyanchian. And? I'm a gemologist, and um, I've been a gemologist since 1980, and that's given me the chance to travel around the world and uh, experience uh, looking at gems and understanding the dynamics of how this is done. That's amazing. Well, it is amazing, Jim. And what's really interesting is that I don't know what part you're going to play here because <laughs> let's face it, when it comes to bling, that is all me. <laughs> oh, well, Francie, you know, <laughs> every now and then I'm able to expand my horizons and really? see past all that dazzle that you <laughs> wear every day. But so let's let Z tell us where he was in his career when this particular instance happened? Uh, I was a gemologist for 20 years, mm. uh, and I was approached by some um, people to see if I'd be interested in buying gold okay. in Africa. In Africa? Yes. Wow. Had you ever bought gold in Africa before? No way. No, no, not at all. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd like to know how you became a gemologist. I mean, I, and why I never became a gemologist. <laughs> that seems like I've missed my calling, Jim. Yes. The way I became a gemologist, um, uh, there was a little story in Hollywood. I had stopped by to change my watch band. It was a little old man, and he didn't charge me for the band. At, at that time, it was about a dollar, I think. So I uh, kept coming back and bringing him sandwiches or little presents. And um, I used to joke with him and say, I want to buy this store one day. So that one day came, and he asked me, would you like to buy my store? 
And uh, of course, I said, uh, what does it take? And he told me the sum of money. And I uh, didn't have it at that time. I was a student uh, at uh, college. But in any event, uh, I uh, got it together and then I ended up buying it. That's, I had it for a while, that store. Then I realized to become a professional, I need to go to GIA and study gemology. And what's GIA? Uh, GIA stands for Gemological Institute of America, which is the best school in the world. And I'm an alumni from there. So you went to GIA and you got a degree in gemology? Is that how you say it? That's correct. Yes, gemology as a graduate gemologist. And so what kind of things do you study as a gemologist student? Anything and everything about gems, precious gems, uh, the minerals uh, that we all know as diamonds, rubies, sapphires. There are a few hundred different minerals. Mm. Uh, but the main ones, the most precious ones, are the ones that we know about, uh, the public knows about. Well, can I just ask you something? Because it's I've always been curious about this. What makes a diamond or ruby or sapphire or any other colored stone valuable? Like, what is it? Just because they look pretty? Well, they're rare, and they definitely look pretty. And as long as women as long as there's a francie is that what you're trying to tell me as long as there's a francie there will be a diamond industry Uh, for sure that's right that's right as long as there's a francie and rappers i think (laughs) those two entities in this world sure keep gemologists and dealers of gemstones in business you're right jim that's exactly how it is but is there anything intrinsic about them that makes them valuable Yes, okay. Um, certain stones, for example, if I asked you about diamonds, you would only think of a white diamond. Mm. But any color you could imagine, diamonds exist in that color. How's that? Um, it's just the formation where it's formed, uh, the chemicals uh, that were present when it was being formed mm. will give it uh, the color. For example, it could be chromium or many different uh, types. That- so. So my understanding as a chemist mm-hmm. was that diamonds were like pure carbon and they get crushed by the p- pressures in the earth and they become like totally pure and crystallized and that's how you make a diamond. Is that right? And I saw it on Superman too. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a lot of truth to that because you have to have the heat and the pressure uh, as the diamond is being formed. But uh, again, the the other chemicals make the color eventually Mm -hmm. of a diamond. So they're not necessarily 100% pure carbon. They have other chemicals that actually cause the discoloration. Otherwise, they would all be white? Yes, I guess you're right. They probably would be all white, but with these other chemicals, it would change the look of it. Mm. Um, Well, one of the most famous, of course, is my favorite is the Hope Diamond. And is that something you own? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Jim, I do, in fact, own it. Yes. Wow, so you donated it to the New York Museum? No, no, it's it's the Natural History Museum in D.C. I donated it there. Me and Elizabeth Taylor, we gave a lot of gems. Really? But the Hope Diamond is a very famous, not white. Uh, yes. Diamond. Is it that's a blue massive. diamond? Yes, that's a blue diamond. Actually, there's a sister to that uh, diamond uh, that's in circulation somewhere, and they're trying to find it uh, at one point. Francie? You must <laughs> Wait, have I'll never tell. <laughs> yes. So it could be any color, Francie. Any color. Um, 
we recently were looking at uh, brokering a red diamond. <gasps> a oh, I need that. Yeah. It's a 10 carat, which is so rare, Jim. Really? Yeah. 10 carat. Wow. But let's get back to the Hope Diamond and the sister. What do you mean there's a sister to it? They say that the piece of rough that Hope came from, a second piece was cut from the same rough. So that's the sister diamond to the Hope Diamond. So I know because I've you've shown me pictures of like big hunks of jagged crystal kind mm-hmm. of thing that you said was a rough diamond. And then you showed me the diamond that came from it. And it's like a fifth or a sixth of the size. Yes. So most of it gets cut away and thrown away or it, or it can make another diamond. Yes, depending on the size. But um, usually about 50% retention is from a piece of rough. So if you're looking at a diamond that's one carat, most likely it was a two carat rough. And uh, this was left over. And after speaking cutting. of carrots, I mean, Nelly talks about... Um, he has more carrots than Aldi. Aldi is a grocery store. So that was a, an allusion to to how many diamonds he has or how much they weigh. So tell us, what is carrot and why is it called a carrot? Well, a carrot uh, is about, uh, it's the size of, it's the, it's the mass actually uh, of, of a material. Uh, but to make it simpler, people um, call it, uh, refer to it as a weight. Mm-hmm. For one gram you would have a five-carat stone. So uh, why don't they just call it grams? Is it this just to make it sound more special? No, because uh, with one gram, you got to go smaller. So you can't say a fifth of oh. a gram or half a carat would be, you know, and Two keep point, on dividing. Yeah, right? okay. Because you have to have, Jim, cut, clarity, and color. Oh, yeah? And carrot. Those are the four C's of diamonds. Well, what about <laughs> um, cool? Yeah, that's the fifth, it. Jim. Yeah, that's <laughs> we came out with That's the new one. Jim's yeah. invented something. <laughs> yeah, you know. So you own this store. You bought this store yes. from the little jeweler, and you owned it for some period of time. And you said that you were approached. Well, what were you doing when you got approached? Okay. At that point in my life, around 1998, um, I was buying and selling important stones all uh, locally and around the world. So you're talking about... Like you're selling them out of your store or you're, you have My office. Your office. I have an office in Beverly Hills since 1980. Okay. So you branched out of that little store that you bought. Yes. And now you're, you have an office in Beverly Hills. Yes. High value real estate. Oh, yes. I'm there all the time. Yeah. I'm sure you <laughs> Just are. Just kidding. I've literally, they don't let me in there anymore. I'm not sure <laughs> what happened. But, but so on that day, mm-hmm. what were you doing before you were approached? The day that I was approached, yeah. I had an appointment with an ambassador. Okay. Uh, from? From Nigeria. Okay. There was another in- individual who had made an appointment with me and the ambassador saying that there's an opportunity to do some business in Africa. So I met with them and they told me there some uh, gold in West Africa in Ivory Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I would be interested in going and purchasing at a reasonable price. And it sounded interesting, and I wanted to know the details. Mm-hmm. This sounds like a scam to me, Jim. Why? I don't know. That's where my mind goes. Really? <laughs> yes, my mind goes instantly to who's trying to take advantage of Z and But it's an y. ambassador coming I, to him. I don't know. Just saying. I'm a suspicious What I person. don't understand, though, is why is an ambassador from Nigeria taking you to the Ivory Coast and not Nigeria. Yeah, hence my suspicion. 
Really? Right. Because uh, I asked him the, uh, the same thing. See? Good question. You got to mm-hmm. admit. Go for it. And he informed me that uh, his business connections are very strong in Ivory Coast. And this happened to be in Ivory Coast. Okay. So it was a very good opportunity. All right. So what do you do to prepare for this? I mean, you've never bought gold before, right? Right. Certainly not from Africa. Right. So what do you do? What I did was look into the laws of our country here mm. and the laws of that country where I'm going to go to make sure everything is in order. See, uh, see, he's a smart man. He doesn't want to get into some sort of illegal smuggling operation. Correct. Correct. Absolutely not. So once I did that, Jim, uh, then uh, I agreed to go on a certain date. But prior to that, I also studied about the price of the gold uh, on the spot market, mm. today's market and uh, how it's done. Another thing that you need to know is the form of the gold. Is it in dust form? Is it in bullion? So after gathering all that information, I made a date that I would meet them. Well, let's talk a little bit about gold because, you know, just for the listeners, not for me, I'm not that interested in gold, I'm sure. But for the listeners, Z, Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what you mean. I mean, there are different forms of gold. Are there different weights of gold, just like there are gemstones? Talk a little bit about that. Yes. So when we refer to gold, let's assume it's $1,200 per ounce. That is referring to the pure gold, 24 carat. So 24 carat is pure. Correct. And in what form is that? Uh, It depends where you're getting from. From the bank, if you purchase, it could be in bullion forms. So like bars or solid. So it's solid. Solid. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's solid. Then uh, you could uh, have in smaller, let's say, one gram formation and stamped by certain banks, like Swiss bank bars that you might have seen. But in the trade, um, it could be nuggets uh, that's uh, available or dust, which they retrieve from dirt. So it's a process. Mm. Uh, And what you do, what you need to really do, Francine, is understand, uh, retrieve that and examine it, test it chemically. What's the purity of it? So how do you actually test it? So it's called assaying it. And and they will use chemicals to um, see how pure the gold is. It will take any other metal out of it. Got it. And keep the purity of the gold. So it's just like doing a field test for cocaine. Yes, Francie, if you must. I, I must. <laughs> That's where my mind goes, crime, always. Okay, mm-hmm. so can you actually do a field test or do you have to take it to a lab or a, a goldsmith somewhere? You should take it to a goldsmith, but preferably uh, once you decide you're going to go further is go to a special lab. That all they do, Jim, is uh, check the purity of the gold Okay. in any form that it is. All right, so you made a date to meet them in the Ivory Coast? Yes. In what city? In Abidjan, um, Ivory Coast. And is that a large city? or? Yes, it is a large city. It, it, most businesses are done over there. Okay, so it's a big business center. Yes. Okay, so you flew in direct yes. from Los Angeles, or did you have to go all over the place to get there? No, I had to go to Paris first. Mm-hmm. That's tough. Oh, yes, tough yes, I had to suffer. <laughs> that is very difficult, yeah. Uh, and uh, change planes. I stayed, I, I believe I stayed overnight. and then Because uh, that's a long flight, right? It is. It is. And uh, go, it was going from here to there, uh, Paris being cooler than Los Angeles. But then landing in Africa, where it's really hot and humid, mm. it was a shock to me because oh. that was my first trip. 
Okay. Uh, oh, it was your first trip to Africa? Yes. I've never been to Africa. Me either. We have to go. go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, and I was just talking to someone in Zimbabwe today, and she asked if we could do a roadshow, best case, worst case, in Zimbabwe. And I said, just find us a venue. We'll be there. Yes. I'd love to do this We have listeners long... in Zimbabwe. Well, we also have to stop by Zanzibar, clearly. Okay. Because that's the place where the picture and shows Paris. the things float. Yeah. Well, obviously, it'll, it'll be a jaunt around the world, Jim. Okay, great. All our French listeners, we're coming. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> yes. what happens when you land in Abidjan? So, I landed in Abidjan, and I went straight to my hotel. And uh, I was expecting to have uh, dinner with the local people that I was supposed to meet. So the ambassador was there already. He met me and I had dinner with him. Mm -hmm. Can can I ask a, a sort of a little bit off topic question, Z? A lot of our listeners have probably never been to Africa. Jim and I haven't. Can you tell us a little bit about Abidjan? Like, what is it like for those of us who've seen major cities like Paris, New York, LA, mm -hmm. Atlanta? How does it compare? Mm -hmm. And did you find it to be like sort of culture shock when you got there because it's so different? Yes, it is a culture shock. There, um, there are high rises in Abidjan. So the reason why I'm saying this, some parts of Africa, you don't have any high rises. It's flatland. Uh, the drive between the airport and the hotel was interesting because uh, you're seeing uh, beautiful or nice high rises. But yet, as you go between the high rises, you see the people, the local people that are not so fortunate to be living in the high rises. So it's mm -hmm. a big contrast. That was one of my first observations. In um, Ivory Coast, they speak French. It's a French-speaking country. For me, that was good because I speak French uh, fluently. And I was able to talk with the driver, understand where we're going. And I usually keep very good uh, tabs on, on the road, where I'm going, which way, and so on, for m many reasons. So you have some pretty good situational awareness. Mm -hmm. That's what you're describing. That's an amazing thing. Um, and I'm sure that must be something you've developed over the years and something that has kept you alive through your many adventures around the world. Yes. I can't believe Francie didn't ask you to say something in French. Well, I just didn't want to embarrass him. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll really, see. I didn't want to embarrass myself because I have a French minor and I speak a little bit of French. Well, but when ahead. someone speaks Parlez French vous. with me, I get embarrassed because I can understand it, but then I have trouble answering because I'm just out of practice. Vous êtes très gentil. Aww. <laughs> Merci beaucoup, monsieur. De rien. <laughs> okay, well, I have no idea what he said, but obviously it was wrong. Um, anyway, um, so yes. you're, you get to the hotel, you have dinner with this ambassador, and I'm sure you're talking about what you're going to do the next day, right? Yes. Now, you didn't bring, like, tons of money to buy anything there with you, right? Absolutely not. Okay, good, because that wouldn't have been very safe, I would imagine. Right. But so you're, what are your plans for the next day? So uh, I had asked the ambassador to make sure there is a person that could test the gold to make sure the purity. He had said he would arrange that ahead of time. So I said, I'd like to meet that man. So at dinner, uh, excuse me, not at dinner, next morning, I met a gentleman from the States that uh, showed me his credentials and all that and uh, without me asking. So it was a little bit of a red flag for me.
Hey y'all, did you know that the new Kids Quip has the same two-minute timer and guiding pulses as the original version with no childish gimmicks so your kids can brush just like a grown-up? The new brush is the same as the original version but tweaked for size-down mouths. Kids are inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels like the products the adults in their life use, and they're proud to use Quip, so you should help them develop a grown-up routine without childish gimmicks. It has kid-friendly features like a small brush head, watermelon-flavored anti-cavity toothpaste, and rubber grip handles in colors little ones will love. The sensitive sonic vibrations are one of the most effective cleans that's also gentle on your sensitive gums. I love Quip because of the built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind me when I have to switch sides and to help me clean my whole mouth evenly. That's why I love Quip. And it's why over 1 million happy, healthy mouths do too. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash best case right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash best case. So uh, I told him, okay, this, this is good. And uh, we'll contact you later on today after we have our meeting. And the ambassador and I proceeded to go to the location that we're supposed to meet uh, the sellers. Uh, and I forgot to tell you, Jim, that I already uh, I also had one person as a bodyguard that mm-hmm. I had flown him in ahead of time. Okay, waiting for me. So he was there. So did he pick you up at the airport? No. Oh, he didn't. I met him at the. Uh, but uh, I was in constant communication with oh, him as soon as I landed. All right. So he's there. Uh, so he's going to the meeting with you, I imagine. Yes. Okay. Great. You and the ambassador from a different country. Yes. Because he's. From a different country than Cote d'Ivoire. He's from Nigeria. And I just have to say, when I was in the FBI, New York office, there was only one country in the world that had their own fraud squad dealing with the massive amount of frauds that emanated from that country. And coincidentally, (laughs) that country was Nigeria. Yeah. That's why I was suspicious at the start, Jim. Really? Yeah. Even though he was in the Ivory Coast, which sounds so pure and... Beautiful. It does sound lovely. Yes. So anyway, yes. you go to this meeting. Yes. We go with your this, bodyguard. With your bodyguard and the ambassador right. from Nigeria. Three of us are going to this meeting. Okay. And the meeting is at a barracks. Uh, a military barracks. Mil- military barracks. Hmm. Well, this is getting very strange. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we get there. And the person that the, the ambassador is communicating with, is supposed to come and meet us, which he did. And at, at a small door, in other words, in a side, at a side door of the barracks, and they wanted to, um, we wanted to go in. He said, uh, hold on, um, who's this other person, the third person who was my bodyguard? And I said, that's my bodyguard. And he asked me if he's armed. Uh, we said, uh, yes, he is. So he goes, he cannot come in because this is a military barracks. So that's understandable, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, in any way, we agreed that he'll stay outside and he wouldn't come with us. Can I just say, he can't guard your body from outside. <laughs> right. Not very well, anyway. Right. But, right. Hmm. hmm. Okay. And are you maybe feeling a little nervous about this? Definitely. I mean, you're in a side door and at a barracks. I thought that, yeah, my... Right. My radar are going okay, off. Okay, so what happens when you leave him outside and you go in? 
and, and also Jim, the gentleman that came out to meet us first, he's in uniform and he's a lieutenant. Um, so it looks official? all these signals, right? Official. So we go in. Uh, he takes us through one door, then another door, then a um, walkway. So quite a way from your bodyguard. Correct. Hmm. And uh, <laughs> I know. so we get into the room, and there are three other uh, armed guards really? in the room. Right. Okay. Uh, and this lieutenant. So there's four of them. And, and two, well, one of you, because who knows whose side the Nigerian ambassador is on. Right. But let me ask you this. When you say armed guards, you mean like they're standing there with machine guns yes. or with a sidearm? No, machine guns. I know one of them had a sidearm as well. But okay. the other two, I couldn't tell. So very relaxed, casual meeting. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, it's gold. So, okay. I all can right. see some security. Okay. Correct. Because all these make sense in a way that you have armed guards uh, and so on. Okay. So you're in a room. Where's the gold? So there are four containers put against the wall. How big are they? They're as big as large coolers. That, okay. Uh, That's big. That seems right. like that could contain a lot of gold. Correct. Right. How much gold are we talking about That sounds here? like millions of dollars of gold. Right. So it's an $8 million <gasps> purchase, possible purchase. Okay. Uh, that we're so there you for. have four containers, $2 million each. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not bad. Um and wait, and how are you gonna? Okay, I just can't wait to hear how you're gonna get this back to the state. All okay, right, well, let's get there. So, all right, so what happens? How does this meeting start? So, he's talking to me, uh, really very kindly. He's trying to get on my good side. You had a long trip, yes, I or or no, not even about the trip, like in general, trying to, to befriend rapport. me. Hmm. Yes, a good rapport. And then he said, um, you want to proceed? I said, yes, let's do it. So the way this works, the containers that they have, they are sealed. They're wires. With around. a wire around it. Right. Right. Uh, in both ways. Okay. And there's a seal on it. So what you do is you need to break it. Break the seal. Break the seal in their presence. And you open the container. Uh, and uh, eventually you're going to open all containers. And you're going to scoop a little bit of gold from each container. Randomly. Randomly. So scoop. So you're not talking about bars. This is the no. dust. Yes, it's, sorry. Yes, mm -hmm. it's, it's in dust form. So after scooping, uh, you put in a plastic. Who's doing the scooping? Uh, the scooping I did. Okay, that makes sense. Right. All right. So they want me to do it, so there's no question about. Right. So you've got four scoops in a little plastic bag now. Correct. Hmm. Okay. And then... I had to, I watched them seal it back okay. because that's the way it has to be. Right. Did me. you dig down a little deeper just to make sure <laughs> that, you know, you weren't just getting the surface gold or anything like that? Actually, I did, Jim. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> Jim, you're very suspicious. Really? Me? You're the one that called it a fraud in the first instance. <laughs> All right. So you, you got this scoops of gold yes. and now what are you going to do? So now the lieutenant uh asked me to put it on the table so and he so he he has possession of it right now okay, okay. why because it's his office and he just put it here next next to him and okay. i told him though i told him i said i'd rather have it next to me he said no 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 don't worry let it stay here I said all right but i also told him 
I don't want to lose sight of it at all at any time. He goes, okay. don't worry about it. He reassured me that that's not going to happen. And we sit back down. Because uh, the, the coolers are already sealed again. Correct. Right. You can't just dig out another sample. Exactly. Right. And, he, and okay. he also told me, he said, test it just to be sure that it's sealed. Because the next time we get together, I'm purchasing it. Mm-hmm. Right. But how do you know? That they, they didn't just, just break the seal. It seal it. Right, right. So, so what, trust going on here, Jim. There has to be trust. No, uh, you seal with. You could also put your own seal on it, Jim. Okay. Oh, I got it. Which is advisable to yeah. do that for sure. I would yes. believe that. So, so they can't duplicate. So that. you're Correct. sitting there, and and he's now got the bag of dust right near him, and you're like keeping your eye on it. And what's going on? So the dis- the distance between me and the lieutenant is about maybe four feet. Okay. The the desk that's between us. Right. Just to give you a visual, the entrance of the room from where I'm sitting is to my right. Okay. The ambassador is sitting to my left. Okay. There's one guard behind me, mm-hmm. one to my left and one ahead of me. And the lieutenant is right in front of me. Okay. And he's got the bag next to him. He's got the bag. Uh, closer to him okay. right now. So what are we doing now? Okay, so we're talking. He's engaging me in a conversation again and asking how is the business uh, and on and on. And I'm answering, of course, looking at him where I could see the back. So at one point, he talked to the guy that's to my left, the guard, and he turned, physically he turned that way. And I wouldn't. Mm. I would still keep my eyes on him and the bag. And I saw that the bag, he had, which he had his right hand on it, as he turned to his left, it went under the table for a split second. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it came back up. Did it? Mm-hmm. So my reaction to this was, okay, wait one second, and then tell him that the bag went right. off, the, off the table. But you're like, you're, you're in danger, potentially. I am. I am. So what, what happened? Did you tell him? I did tell him. And what did he do? Okay, so I told him, you know, uh, the bag went off the table. And remember, I said, I have to have a visual on this all the time. So at this point, he got very irritated. Mm. And he goes, no, that didn't happen. I said, yes, it did. And at this point, he stands up and he goes, are you calling me a liar? Mm. Okay, so at this point, Jim, I'm looking around me. Yes, I heard the click-click of the Kalashnikovs. Kalashnikovs. <sighs> right. Those are guns. Russian, Russian-made guns. Machine, machine guns. Big, ugly machine, machine guns. guns, yeah. So as I'm kind of insisting that it happened, uh, uh, he goes, you're calling me a liar, and the ambassador next to me starts to shake. So at this point... Well, that's not a good <laughs> sign. No, no. And at this point, I'm trying to think, okay, if... If this gets complicated, I can take this guy out, maybe the other one, but there's two more, and I'm responsible for the ambassador. So what kicked in in my mind was to say, okay, you might be right that I told him I'm so tired since I just flew in. You know what? Let me just have it tested, uh, and we'll get back to business. But I'm just exhausted. Maybe I just didn't see it right because i had to do this move jim otherwise uh, everybody's (laughs) life is well now you're trying to get out of the room and get away from there right right 
So he somehow calmed down, and I, I engaged him in the conversation now to calm him down, mm. uh, which worked out pretty good. So you're, like, pretty good uh, thinking on your feet. Oh, yeah. Even when you got, you know, three machine guns getting ready and... and and a you're shaking being, ambassador. And a shaking right. ambassador. And you're in a foreign country on a foreign continent that you had never been before. And your bodyguard is many yards and many doors and many hallways away. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's pretty calm, cool, and collected on your part. You have to be. And uh, it just kicked in, Jim. Okay. So I got to know. What happened? All right. So he goes, uh, okay. You know, and he was happy to hand me the bag. Uh, of gold Um, and he goes when are you going to come back and so we could finalize I said well I have to have it tested and then I'll get back to you as soon as possible and of course his question was you you have the money here I said "Uh, the money is available I'm not going to yeah he goes is it in cash you know I said we'll get to that it is available and he knew he shouldn't push it further than that and I knew I don't want to be questioned more than that. So we both had some sort of, okay, enough right now. So I took the, uh, the gold in the plastic bag, and he accompanied us back to um, the car. Mm-hmm. Back to the bodyguard. Back to the bodyguard, that who was smoking nice cigarette after cigarette. The poor guy looked so nervous. Uh, yes, but he was happy to see me. I'm sure he was happy you weren't dead. Right. So then what did you do? Well, we, I thanked him, and I said, we'll get back to you tomorrow morning. And you shook his hand? I shook his hand, made it look like everything is fine. No problem. And how did the ambassador act? He was smiling, but a very nervous smile. You know? <laughs> I think he appreciated life a lot better after yeah. we left there. So, so you get in the car and you leave. So ahead of time, I had made some arrangements with some high-power people. Uh, that I will be doing this uh, and that I will check in with them when I come out. And when, when I came out, I did check in with them and I told them what happened. Mm. And they said, you're lucky to be alive with your head intact? They said, let us handle this for you. And I gave the name and the description to them. So, well, this is very mysterious. I feel like I need to dig <laughs> in farther. I don't think you should, Francie, so let well, him go. All right. yeah. So, what happened, Francie? It's a Francie? mystery, everyone. <laughs> what happened was we tested the gold. I knew it was gold. But when uh, these uh, people went and looked at the containers, my, my friends went and looked at the containers, it was not gold, it was just metal dust. So we had you scoop out metal dust and then switched it for a bag that contained the actual gold. Jim, remember at the very beginning when I said I thought this smelled like a scam? Really? I should have been an FBI agent, obviously. Yeah, well, that would have been a real step up Mm -hmm. in your career if you had done that. But, you know, I know you had to stay in that (laughs) low-level position (laughs) of justice that you had. But anyway, Uh it's nice to dream. Anyway, so what did you do? Well, I, what I did was um, I... Tell me you got on a plane and got out of the country, <laughs> yeah. please. I, I, right I away. did, actually. Not right away, but I switched hotels. And as a backup plan, I had gotten other rooms in another hotel. Okay, good. Uh, so what I... It's almost see, like you uh, like you anticipated possible trouble here. You know, you have to anticipate mm-hmm. a lot of problems that could... Things could go wrong, as we all know, in this room. And you have to anticipate to have a second backup plan, which I did. Uh, thank God. Uh, so we 
moved without the ambassador's knowledge. We moved to the other room because I didn't trust the ambassador at this point. Well, I hope not. Right. And his nervousness could have been because he thought maybe I was going to react or, you know, um, so I, I we just moved, me and my bodyguard, two rooms facing each other. So if someone knocks on my door, he will be behind. Those, right. those are tactics we use and we mm-hmm. can get into this uh, on a Another future time. Uh, and uh, we, you're right, Jim, we got on the plane and left. Right. Well, that sounds like... Um, it was the right thing to do under the circumstances. Yeah, so what do you think, though? What's your instinct about the ambassador? I mean, was he in on the scam? This sounds like a clear scam. It sounds like something that they've done before because of the action with the bag and the table and the and the guards. Mm-hmm. Do you think it was him? I think he was in, involved with them, and I tell you why. Because he brought in that person that's a tester who was showing me all these credentials, right? So right there, as I was saying earlier, was a red flag. It's overselling, isn't it? Overselling. Right. And with this stamp on it, um, uh, so many different things. I could print those. Any one of us could go print and put a stamp on it. Mm. So that was my first red flag. That Did you go to him to get it tested or somebody no, else? No, no, no. Uh, somebody else. Okay. Somebody else. All right. Well, I have to ask you then. Mm-hmm. Do you consider this a best case or a worst case? Worst case. And why is that? I was so close to disaster for my life and everybody else's. Uh, of course, not to mention the money that could have been at risk, uh, which I would be responsible for it. You know, if it wasn't mine, it was somebody else's that was going to be investing with me. So, yeah, I was lucky to be able to get away. And Jim, I tell you, being aware is what saved me. Yeah, that's situational awareness, and that's critically important in everybody's everyday life because people don't necessarily knock on the door and invite you to a situation. It just happens while you're living your life. And so you have to be aware of what's going on. That's why you'll see almost every cop in every restaurant sitting with their back to a wall and facing the door so they know where any threats could come from and a lot of other things that we'll we'll talk about in another episode. Well, it's a great life lesson. I mean, it's a great lesson for not just situational awareness, but to listen to your instincts. And I think that's something that we in society, you and I train on this, on this gym. Uh, And we've talked a lot about not ignoring instincts when it comes to protecting your kids or yourself. And this is a great example of what could, uh, I mean, it turned out well, but what could have happened had you ignored your instincts. Yes. And also your ability to stay calm and to read the room and to read the people in it and to figure out a way to lower that tension level that was building. Well, this was a really interesting story. And I hope it's only the first of many that we get to hear from you, Z, because, well, I'll just say it. You're the most interesting man on the planet. And that's really cool that you came on to talk to us. I'm best case, you. worst case. Thank you, Z. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. There are many more stories I have. Great. Fantastic. Until next time, thank you for listening to Best Case, Worst Case. Best Case, Worst Case is an XG production. Produced by Jim Clementi at Empire Studios, LA. Engineered and edited by Mike Thal. Music composed and performed by Simba Sumba and hosted by Wonder. You can listen to Best Case, Worst Case on your favorite listening app. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, 
Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Stories about child sexual abuse can make us feel powerless, but the good news is that there are organizations working to prevent abuse and keep kids safe. Darkness to Light and their Stewards of Children Prevention Training has trained more than 1.4 million adults to protect, recognize, and react responsibly to child sexual abuse. But there's more work to do, and with their 4 million by 2020 goal, Darkness to Light is setting their sights on training 4 million adults around the country to keep kids safe. By donating to Darkness to Light, you can help reach this goal that will make communities across the country safer places for kids. It starts with you. Visit www.d2l.org today to give. That's www.d2l.org. Dot dot